Hey everyone, and welcome to Murder and Mysteries with Megan. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're not new here, welcome back. I'm grateful for each and every one of you that are here today. We talk about true crime, conspiracies, hauntings, and other types of mysteries. The unsolved case of the Hall Mills murders. This case that we are talking about today is one that took place back in the 1920s in Somerset, New Jersey. On the evening of September 14, 1922, both a member of the church choir, Eleanor Mills, and the Reverend, Edward Hall, were murdered and later found posed together under a crab apple tree. So what happened? How did the Reverend and a member of the church choir end up murdered together? Well, let's start at the beginning, shall we? First, let's talk a little bit about both of the victims and who they were. The first person we'll talk about is Reverend Edward Hall. Hall grew up in Brooklyn, New York. This is where he decided that he wanted to study theology, and he became a reverend while attending college in Manhattan. After he graduated with his theology degree, he decided that he was going to move to New Jersey and start a church in New Brunswick called St. John's Evangelist Episcopal Church. He also met and got married to a woman that was seven years older than him, named Frances Stevens in 1911. Now, Frances was quite wealthy and had many wealthy family members in New Brunswick. In fact, some of those family members were the Johnsons. The Johnson and Johnson Johnsons. So needless to say, the Reverend and his wife were quite wealthy. He had his new church that he was running, named St. John's Evangelist Episcopal Church, and things seemed to be going pretty well. Now, this is where Eleanor Mills comes into the story. Eleanor Mills was married to a man named James, and they had two children together. The couple weren't well off like Francis and Edward were, though, not by any means. In fact, James was a janitor at the local elementary school, and he was actually an acting officer of the church as well. Of course, with James working for the church and being an active part of it, this in turn meant the entire Mills family were actually quite active members of the church, and Eleanor even ended up joining the church choir. Well, on the evening of September 14th of 1922, Eleanor Mills and Reverend Edward Hall had plans to meet up with each other. See, Hall had allegedly told his wife, Frances, that he had plans to meet with Eleanor that evening to discuss a hospital bill that she had. But according to Eleanor's husband, James, when he came home that evening around 7 p.m. after work, Eleanor had already been dressed up in her polka dot dress, shoes, hat, and scarf, ready to head out the door. When he asked where she was going, she said, well, follow me and find out. Now, Eleanor and James's relationship was quite a tense one. So this wasn't really a strange answer from her when he would ask a question like this. In fact, the couple's relationship was so strained that they had begun to sleep in separate bedrooms. Eleanor was actually sharing a bedroom with their daughter, Charlotte. So, around 3 a.m. that morning, when James had realized that he had not heard Eleanor return home, he went into his daughter's room to see if his wife had returned and maybe he just hadn't heard her come in. However, when he didn't see her in bed, he woke his daughter, Charlotte, and asked her, if she had seen her mother come home. But Charlotte replied to her father, telling him she hadn't seen her mother come in. By the following morning, Eleanor had still not returned home, but James headed into work as he normally would at the church. However, no one was there. 
Now, it turns out, according to Francis, Reverend Edward Hall, hadn't returned home that evening either. She thought that maybe he was at the church at his office, but no one was there. Of course, Francis Hall had stated that when she realized that Edward hadn't come home, she went up to talk to her brother William, who also lived with them in their home. She went up there to see if maybe she, he had seen Edward. When neither of them could find him, family members reportedly came to Francis to see if she was okay and if she could use some help in trying to find him. Finally, Francis Hall's attorney ended up stating that she needed to call the police and report that her husband, Reverend Edward Hall, was missing as well. So where were the two? Why had neither of them come home after a meeting with each other the night before? Immediately, the fact that both the reverend and a member of the church were missing, this spread like wildfire between the communities. People, of course, had theories that maybe the two of them had run away together. Now, it wasn't really strange to see members of the congregation together with the reverend, so why in the world would people think that Eleanor and the reverend had potentially run away together on September 14th of 1922? Well, there had been rumors that the relationship between Eleanor and the Reverend hadn't just been a platonic one. See, many people in the congregation thought that their relationship was actually pretty inappropriate with one another. Many of them knew that Eleanor and James Mills didn't have a great marriage, and it was said that Frances Hall, she wasn't the warmest person, and that Edward had only married her because of her family's fortune. So, of course, rumors continued to swirl around the community, but it wasn't until September 16th of 1922, two days after they went missing, that the two of them would be found. And it seems that maybe those rumors and accusations may have not been too far off base. On September 16th, a boy named Raymond Schneider and his girlfriend Pearl had a date. The two of them had planned to go for a walk in the area of what everyone referred to as Lover's Lane, an area near Somerset in New Brunswick that had lots of farmland surrounding it and was more secluded for couples to go and meet up together there. As they were walking, they came across what seemed to be a couple lying in the grass, cuddled up underneath a crabapple tree, as if they'd been lying there talking and gazing up into the tree and maybe had fallen asleep. However, as the young couple got closer, they realized that the man and the woman who were lying in the grass together, they weren't breathing. They had been murdered. Who was this man and woman that the young couple had come across? Yes, as you could probably guess, it was Reverend Edward Hall and Eleanor Mills. It seems as though the two had met up and formed a connection with each other. But the problem was the two were already married to other people and thus began their affair with one another. Well, how do we know this? Well, at the crime scene, remember how I said the bodies had been posed together? The reverend in his nice suit, hat lying on his face, his arm outstretched underneath Eleanor's neck, Eleanor in her polka dot dress with her scarf around her neck, and her hat lying on the ground next to her. Her left hand was resting on the reverend's right thigh. Both of them were laying side by side on their backs, their feet pointing towards the trunk of the crabapple tree that they were placed under. The reverend's hat had been lying on his face, seemingly in an effort to hide the gunshot wound to his head, while the scarf around Eleanor's neck seemed to be trying to hide a cut through her neck from ear to ear, as well as three gunshot wounds. 
Other things that they determined at the scene of the crime was that the couple had been shot with a 32 caliber gun after finding 32 caliber casings at the scene. They determined that they had been dead at least a minimum of 24 hours due to the decomposition of the bodies and the fact that there were already maggots invading the wounds. During the autopsy, they also found out that Eleanor's tongue had been cut out. They found a business card of the reverends at the scene of the crime and noticed that the reverend's watch was missing. The ripped up paper, it was love letters that were strewn about the two. Investigators were later able to piece together some of them. This first one is from Eleanor to Edward. Sweetheart, my true love, I know that there are girls with more shapely bodies, but I am not caring what they have. I have the greatest parts of all blessings, a noble man, deep and true, eternal love. How impatient I am and will be. I want to look up into your dear face for hours and you touch my body close. In response to Eleanor, a letter that Edward wrote to her was, Darling Wonderheart, I just want to crush you for two hours. I want to see you Friday night alone by our road where we can let out unrestrained that universe of joy and happiness we call ours. Now there was a huge issue in this investigation because of where it happened. It was located right on the county lines between Middlesex and Somerset counties. Of course, this meant that there were two different police departments that were looking into the case. While investigators were trying to find out who had jurisdiction over the case, the story had been spreading through the community like wildfire. Of course, the Reverend was a prominent member of the community, and his wife and her family were as well. So this coupled with the controversy of the Reverend being murdered after having an affair with a member of the church choir just added fuel to the fire, so to speak. It was definitely a taboo subject, especially back in the early 1920s. So as the case began to grow in popularity and police departments were trying to find out whose jurisdiction the crime scene was in, it ended up becoming a media frenzy and an absolute circus. And when I say that the crime scene was like a circus, I really mean that. They basically used the crime scene as a tourist spot to hang out, sell drinks, popcorn, balloons, and souvenirs to take home with people. The tree that the two were found under, people were taking pieces of it, stripping the bark and branches off of it. When the tree was actually gone, people started selling bags of dirt found on the property where they had been killed. Even a piece of evidence, the Reverend's calling card that was found on the scene that just hadn't been collected yet, had been passed around between all of the people who came to the crime scene. So obviously, none of this is good because the investigators really hadn't had a chance to fully investigate the scene and the bodies before people were trampling all over the place, touching, taking, and contaminating everything in sight that remained on the scene. Needless to say, they didn't have much evidence to go on because of this. Now, investigators began looking into the spouses of the two victims, Francis Hall and James Mills, because at this point, they were the only possible leads they had that would have wanted both Eleanor and Edward dead. Now, some people thought that maybe this was just a robbery gone wrong because of his watch that was missing. But why would someone who was going to rob someone go through the trouble of posing the victims if things had ended up going south and they ended up dead. If it wasn't planned to kill them, then wouldn't you think that the person doing the crime 
that they would be so nervous and a little bit panicked and maybe leave the scene as quick as possible and not end up sticking around to pose the two together, even taking time to rip up love letters and throw them about them as well. And where would the love letters have come from? Were they on the victims or did someone just bring them in from somewhere else? The robbery theory that some had, it just didn't seem to make sense. However, the theory that really stuck and seemed to make the most sense is the fact that the two of them were murdered because of their love affair and that either James, Francis, or maybe even some of Francis's family or brothers had something to do with it. Or maybe they had even hired someone to take their lives. Because remember, Francis had come from a lot of money. And of course, money can do a lot of things for people and make a lot of things go away, so to speak. So that's what a lot of people seem to think happened. And when a witness came forward, it seemed to just tie things together and confirm that this may truly be a case fueled by jealousy and rage. Remember the farmland that ran along Lover's Lane? It was owned by a single mother, Jane Gibson, and her son. They lived there, raised pigs, and managed the farm. Well, it turns out that on the night of the murders, around 9 p.m., she heard her dogs barking outside. When she went outside to see what all the commotion was about, she stated that she had seen a man standing out in the cornfield. She told investigators that when she saw this man, she got on her mule and rode out there and around the property to see and make sure that no one was messing with their land and animals. When she rode closer to where the man had been, she was in turn closer to Lover's Lane and the crabapple tree where both Edward Hall and Eleanor Mills had been found. She stated that while she was out there, she saw two men and two women standing in the dark under the tree. She heard gunshots ring out and saw someone fall to the ground. Immediately, she said that she turned around and headed back towards her home on her mule. As she did this, she heard a woman shout, Don't! 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 Before hearing more gunshots ring out through the night air. She quickly looked over her shoulder and saw a second person fall to the ground right before hearing someone shout, Henry! Mrs. Gibson actually stated that she knew it was the night of the murders that all of this happened because she had written it down on a calendar and all of the details to go along with it. Now, Henry was the name of Frances Hall's brother and her cousin had the same first name. However, Frances claimed that she had been home all that evening, which her maid actually corroborated. So without any hard evidence against anyone and the fact that no one seemed to believe Jane Gibson's story, the original case didn't go anywhere and no one was arrested or charged in the murders of Eleanor and Reverend Edward. It wasn't until around four years later that anything actually happened with the case. There of course was continued speculation and rumors and the media kept pushing the story wanting answers for what happened to these two on Lover's Lane. However, it wasn't until 1926 when a man came forward stating that Francis Hall hadn't been home on the evening of September 14th of 1922 when she claimed that she had been and that the maid had lied. Because of this, coupled with the continued media coverage and pressure, it was ordered that the case was then reinvestigated. As a result, there were actually a few different people that were suspected of the murders. Frances Hall, her two brothers, Henry and William Stevens, and her cousin, Henry Carpenter. 
Of course, the prosecution stated that Frances had gotten her brothers and cousin together to get revenge on Edward for cheating on her with Eleanor. William had been staying with Frances and Edward at the time of the murders, and he actually owned a 32 caliber pistol. His fingerprint was even found on the Reverend's card that was at the scene of the crime. However, the gun had been filed down and couldn't be used any longer, and so many people had already touched that card that there were a ton of fingerprints on it. Henry Stevens was actually quite good with a gun, it turns out. In fact, he had been an exhibition marksman and was retired. However, he also had an alibi for the night of the murders, and this was corroborated by three different witnesses. As for her cousin, Henry Carpenter, he actually requested to have a separate trial from the others, and it was granted. The prosecution, of course, brought in Jane Gibson, the witness who had been there the night of the murders. Well, unfortunately, the media didn't really like her, and she had been given the nickname Pig Woman because of the pigs that she owned on the farm. In addition to this, the fact that she was always elaborating more and more and more on the story of that night, the fact that her own mother was sitting behind her in court while she was testifying as she laid in a stretcher, all of this was what the defense needed to discredit the witness. And that's exactly what they did. They also couldn't verify the fact that she actually had seen the murders happen. The defense used this, and it's what they tried to push. They said that she was crazy and that all the details of that night continued to change. Nothing was ever consistent. And that the notes that she had about that night said nothing of who she saw or seeing someone killed. Ultimately, the case that had begun on February 3rd of 1926, over four years after Edward and Eleanor had been killed, only lasted approximately 30 days. Frances Hall and her brothers ended up being found not guilty, and her cousin never had to go to court. After the not guilty verdict, Frances Hall actually took out charges on a few different publication companies for defamation, and these were settled out of court. She was even buried next to Edward in 1942 when she passed away. Unfortunately, this case, I'm afraid, will never be solved because of the fact that investigators didn't work together on this case to keep the crime scene secure from everyone and keep it from being contaminated and instead were fighting over whose jurisdiction it was. So as a result of this and the lack of evidence that was available, not having a credible witness, unfortunately, it still remains unsolved to this day. Well, that's it for today's case. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. Do you think that they had the person who was guilty and that they got away with it? Do you think that maybe it was someone else that was never charged? Do you think that it was the wrong place, wrong time type of situation? Some people have even said that they thought that maybe it could have been Jane Gibson who killed the two by accident that night and then came up with the story to protect herself. Well, I hope you all enjoyed today's case, and I hope you have a wonderful and safe week. Until next time, my mystery lovers, bye.